VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times. Now with goals. Hello and welcome to The Game, the football podcast from The Times. I'm Gabriel Marcotti and in the studio this week, I'm joined by Tony Cascarino, James Scowcroft. Yes, that's right. That's... That's two Premier League footballers and a guy who might have been one if he didn't have more important things to do, Matt Hughes. Coming up, we'll be talking diving, maybe a little bit of Czech Teote, sort of the antithesis of diving, and perhaps some Champions League. But first, to Old Trafford. And now United on the counter-attack, breaking quickly with Mata. Wonderful pass from him. Rooney's ball in. Mistake by Lovren. It's Mata. And Van Persie. 3-0. Van Persie clearly onside. It's an easy finish. Manchester United and Liverpool. I I have to start with Dicko's friend and ours, Gary Neville, with his pub side comment, which seemed to so upset Louis van Gaal. Was it fair? No, it wasn't fair. And he was clearly joking. If you were watching Sky last Monday night, I wasn't. I was actually at Mary's watching United. But uh, he was clearly joking, having a bit of a laugh at Jamie Carragher. It's a, it's a great line. Obviously, the media pick up on it. After Van Hal straight away, he wasn't happy. But obviously, it's, it's exaggerating for, for comic effect. It's two teams in transition, fairly average. They have some strong points, some weaknesses, and we saw them both yesterday. And as a result, they delivered often, which is what you often get when there's two sort of average teams, a pretty entertaining game. All right. I, I mentioned you call the game entertaining. I'm entertained because I'm sad. I'm basically entertained by almost all football. Cass, was it an entertaining game, or did you look at that and you were like, why can't you guys just hit a pass? Why can't you defend? You know, did you look at like how much the fact that Antonio Valencia probably makes more, what a good game, I thought, uh, makes more in, in a month than you made in a 10-year career, and yet you see the same mistakes. Okay, I'll use a better example. Joe Allen, right? You, you look at this. Do you, you guys get grumpy old footballer? I'm going to ask you, James, the same question. Grumpy old footballer syndrome when you see all these mistakes in the game, or were you like... Hughesy and I sitting there, oh, this is entertaining. Well, there were a lot of mistakes and the wayward passing, certainly in opening periods by Man United. Fellaini, probably the biggest example. No, I don't get grumpy. I actually did enjoy the game, like you, because there was lots of chances. But there was something that was very different from what we've seen from United over the years, is that uh, the the continual losing the ball from midfield areas. We've, We've admired them especially Liverpool, great Liverpool teams. And we know they're not the, the teams of what they were before. The former sides were much more gifted with certain players in their team. And I just felt it was a strange Liverpool-Man United game. I don't think I've seen one as open as that for a long time. If you even you take the 3-0 last, last year, uh, which Liverpool won, um, yeah, they created chances and they were devastating. United were never as open as they were, even though they lost the th- uh, like, as they were yesterday. United were there for the taking defensively and all from poor finishing Liverpool could quite easily got three yeah, or four we'll, goals we'll get to that James I want to get you on this you coach kids right mm-hmm. and 
were you as shocked and horrified by the many mistakes and bad passing given that these people do this for a living and your children don't? Yeah, I think so. I think especially in today's game because it's all about possession, isn't it? And if you see, you know, I see teams now just pass for the sake of it really just to, to create. I think, you know, you have to go down to personnel, Gab, and, you you know, if you go back to uh, the Manchester United's midfield and, and they did give the ball away far, far too much, you know, you, you're replacing people like Scholes with people like Fellaini. Not being disrespectful for, to Fellaini, but he's nowhere near a Paul Scholes or a, even a Michael Carrick who played yesterday but played at the back. You know, and I think that is an area. It's always been a problem for Manchester United. It's still an area where they need to get that top world-class midfield player right, in to, they, who can put his foot on the ball and they control the They only had Mata and Rooney in midfield. I mean, it's not like yeah, but that, that was it's easy to pick on Fellaini and compare him with Scholes. But then, you know, I might bring up Nicky Butt. Uh, who great footballer, but you know he's not. But would keep it simple, wouldn't he? That that's you know, matter was pushed on Rooney. You know, if you watch Rooney's game, he, he's a little bit like Steven Gerrard is sometimes always trying to play the killer ball at times. You know, I think they need that just somebody. And to be fair, Delhi Blind has done it quite well when he's played this season, just to keep the uh, the flow of the game. He hasn't been. I mean, Van Hal hasn't been. Van Hal's used I think thirty one United players this season. He's not been shy to change the team around it's not like he plays the same guys every week once he's he guessed Liverpool's lineup I think Van Gaal looked at him thought they've got a Coutinho they've got a Sterling they've got Alana they've got loads of players who run beyond if I keep someone who does the ABC of football which Fellaini can do he just had a bad day as well he had a bad day at Southampton you know and he's not a scapegoat normally Fellaini's passing would be far better than it was yesterday yeah Gab yeah, no, yeah, no question. Absolutely. So he had a really off day as well with the ball. Um, so I think he, he second-guessed what Liverpool were going to do and felt, oh, OK, if we do things simple. But they, they haven't been doing the simple things well, Man United. Hugh, this is United's sixth consecutive victory. I, I, I've just been so wonderfully, not, not surprised because I knew he was like this, but so wonderfully refreshed by Louis van Gaal, who when they win and they play poorly, he comes out, he comes out and, and says it. I think, uh, at least from what I saw, in in those six consecutive victories, they were pretty lucky against uh, against Arsenal. Extremely fortunate against Southampton. I thought they could have been killed in that game. They got Stoke. They, they, beat, they beat yeah. They, they beat Stoke. What was it? One nil or two one? Two one. Palace. They beat Palace one. Uh, freaking Palace, one nil. They absolutely demolished Hull, but that tends to happen when. But it's in, there's games, Gab. When Steve could, Bruce's team, it's like the the United City derby, where probably a little bit unlucky to lose that one nil as well, with the chances there at the end. So it, it does go both ways. Okay, but then you're going back in time. I'm talking about this run of well, victories. We can't go forward in time. Come on, we can't. If you're really good, you can. <laughs> no, but 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 my point is, I love having a manager talk about performance because there were games earlier this season when United actually played well, and and did not win. Or, or games where they, you know, maybe made a couple of mistakes and threw it away, but on the main certainly deserved more. Excuse me, I get the sense that a lot of managers don't really do this. They only talk about good performances when they lose, and when they win, they always underscore uh, the importance of getting the victory. Am I wrong? No, you're right. Often you go to a game, you hear the manager come out, and you feel like you've watched a different contest. Van Gaal is very, very honest. When you're Louis Van Gaal, you've won what he's won. I guess you can you can afford to be. They won at Southampton Monday night. A late goal didn't play well. He came in and said only three players played well, which given how Percy scored two goals, De Gea was magnificent. Kaik was an emergency centre-back. Basically meant he was happy with pretty much the rest of the team. It, good contrast to last season where David Moyes always trying to be upbeat in the face of reality. 
his voice was saying one thing, his face was saying another. There was a huge disconnect. I think United fans in particular will, will enjoy what they're hearing from Van Gaal at the moment. Hey James, I think I'm going to uh, out you again as a United uh, uh, fan. Close your eyes. Imagine United winning the, the, the Champions League in, in two years and winning the treble in two years. These central defenders, Jones, Smalling, Evans, Rojo, how many of those guys are in that team? Not many. Hugh, looking at uh, Liverpool for, for a minute, Brendan Rodgers came out and he said he was pleased with the performance. That we had that, that word again. He's kind of right. I mean, were it not for David De Gea, I've, put it this way: if you'd reverse the two goalkeepers, Brad Jones, might Liverpool have scored five goals? Uh, I don't think they'd have scored five, but the three uh, Balotelli chances, I, the three Sterling chances, be yeah. different. I mean, I agree. If you swap. The thing, the thing is, United have got probably the best goalkeeper in the Premier League, and Liverpool have got the two worst. Um, I've been banging on about Rodgers should drop Mignolet for weeks, but I couldn't believe that, having stuck with him for so long, he brings Jones in for his first game in 21 months at Old Trafford. I mean, that's, that's a hell of an ask. But he's so good at anticipating which way the ball's going to go. He's very good at making it easy, easy for the opposition striker, isn't he? I mean, on penalty shootouts, he, he would never be penalised. He'd move before the penalty was awarded. Extraordinary. I don't want to pick on this guy because I have done before and, and been criticised for it. But that, that third goal, can you explain? Would you just not forget where he was? <laughs> I mean, he dives the wrong way on the first goal. Fine. Uh, yeah. He had a player in front of him, which, again, I'm told by my goalkeeping sage friends that it's just bad positioning there. You don't, you know, you, you know the ball's going to Rooney. You know what Rooney's going to do. You get your defender out of the way or you move so you can see the shot come off. Whatever. But on the third one, he just completely gets lost. Mm. Yeah, he, he does. And without sounding really awful... I doubt if he'd make very many Championship League One teams. I've watched Brad Jones a few times, and every time I come away thinking, he does things that I'm not a goalkeeping coach, and I, you know, never aspired to be a goalkeeper. But I can remember Noel Quinn planning goal and saving everything as a six foot five centre forward, and he's doing things that Noel Quinn didn't do. <laughs> and Quinny wasn't a keeper. He's like, I'm watching a goalkeeper do everything wrong that goalkeepers should be doing. He's positioning as well. You know, and he slips for the third, doesn't he? He sort of loses his footing but goes the wrong way as well. So even if he hadn't have slipped, he wouldn't have still got near it. It was a very strange... Normally you'd see goalkeepers react. As it goes to Van Persie, you'd normally you'd see a goalkeeper react with a change of movement and get across his goal as quick as he can. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was, it was an, a really strange goal to see. But... Going back to, to Liverpool and Brad Jones aside, there are positives to take from this, aren't there? They did look more creative than they have been. I promise Raheem Sterling, he doesn't, he doesn't score any goals, does he? He's Liverpool's brightest hope, he's England's sort of most promising young player, but if you look at his, his return, it's just, it's, just not, it's just not good enough. We can ask Sterling to create and to score and so on. You're still talking about a kid who just turned 20 last week. Um, so maybe there's other people who should step up and maybe on the day... Uh, I, I thought Steven Jarrett had a very poor game. Joe Allen, I'm not sure, is even worth getting into. Uh, Henderson, who I normally really like, was poor. It's not like Sterling and Coutinho had a lot of support from, from the middle of the park on the day. And yet, in some ways, Rodgers was, was vindicated, wasn't he, James? If you look I mean, he got his part right. Some players yeah, let him did, down yeah. on the day. Yeah. I think that's if you look at individual errors, but then, you know, if you look at the first goal, the way Rooney's run past Coutinho, is that Coutinho's fault? Is it the manager's fault for, 
picking him to play in that area and giving him that responsibility. Well, it's it? not like Coutinho's the, the holding midfielder there. I mean, the, they have three other dudes who... No, but you, you take responsibility, Gab. You, even if you're not going to track him, you'd pass him on to somebody else and tell somebody that he's... But, no, no, I, 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 I don't doubt that. But I'm assuming, given how egregious it was and that Coutinho's not some guy in the street, that there might maybe there was some communication with another Liverpool player or so on. I'm assuming Coutinho realized where he is on the pitch. Maybe yeah. somebody told him to go make a different run or but be ready But then it's personnel, the isn't it? If you look at Liverpool's personnel, it's all this, you know, development and, you know, technical players at this end. But you need somebody who is going to be a stopping midfield player in your team that's going to stop goals like that from happening. On Brendan Rodgers, last year I'm watching Crystal Palace away and they're 3-0 up. And I'm thinking they're going for 6, 7, 8. Now the goal swing of having to, what, 13, 14 goals over City to try and win the league. And I remember the way they played. And afterwards, when they drew 3-3, I was thinking, how unprofessional is that? From a team, from the manager, not to just, if you're 3-0 up, just if you get to 4, okay. But don't chase 8, 9 and try and, you know, get that goal difference. It was For me, it was never in their reach. And you I've always, give up then. Well, no, you try and win the game. You win the game. You win it. If you go on to win four and five, right. great. Don't throw the game. Anyway, and I, and I started questioning whether I think Brendan was a good defensive coach. Now, we all saw his team and we were in awe of how brilliant they were going, football, going forward. Then I started to ask myself, well, I wonder what Brendan's going to be like if his team doesn't score and how his team are going to play and, and, and will they get results? And I'm watching yesterday and it's a team selected to do what they did. Course havoc, get problems, but the other flip side of the coin, they were always going to concede goals in this game. And we've talked about Liverpool's chances. United had a good few as well. It wasn't as if they had three wow. goals. They did, Gab. They had a few chances. You can't just, you can't play There's football. a very good Van Persie chance at the end when they were 3 0 up. Gap, and gap. Then I, I he had two, didn't he? he had one yeah. that's come off the inside of his foot. He had the volley, which we go either side. And there's two chances that you. Right, two, two no. chances plus the three goals. Another three goals. One of them, Mata. Hold on, well, give me a minute. I'll one of them, one of them, he was offside. Well. I, I, the other one, the other one, Allen Valencia kind of turns himself into some combination of Danny Alves and Garincha in one move, and gap, then Coutinho loses the other one. Some of them goals. I, I, I'm not I'm the sorry, first goal. The first goal where Valencia goes past two players. Yeah, that's yeah? a brilliantly created. Yeah, it's move. a it's a great. But they, it was so easy. You know, nine times out of ten, a player, easy. that was just so easy. But that's precisely my point. It's too easy because the other people are defending really, really badly. Yeah. But, well, but it's, it's not as if United are creating how unprofessional the way they have in other games this season. You talk about Balotelli. With five minutes into the second half, he comes on. He pulls back a player that should have been yellow carded. Yellow wait, wait, wait. wait it was Balotelli, Van Persie, Gab. No, Gab. Wasn't it Van Persie? This, no, after, there was a free kick. 40 yards out, Steven Gerrard walks past the ball and Balotelli says, I'm, I'm, I'll take it. 40 yards, he shoots from 40 yards. Now, David Ayer, we know he's a very good goalkeeper. There's no way on earth he is going to score. He just walked away and he said, I've got a feeling was, uh, Gerrard's gone like, oh, if you want to shoot, shoot. Yeah. And that is unprofessional. And that comes from the sidelines as well. He's taken three players off in the last week of 45 minutes, uh, Brendan Rodgers, purely... Because his things haven't been going, he's trying to find a solution. Well, great, but also he's unsettling the group. I'm telling you, what's happened? Right. Mignolet's uh, being dropped was the most ridiculous uh, change in a, a team for me that I've seen all season. Moving on to the Emirates, Arsenal and Newcastle. We're not going to spend too much time on this because I think we're all bored silly with praising Parju and uh, pointing out Arsenal's faults and, uh, and praising them when they do things right. But I, I want to take a look at this because early in this game, we're going to talk about diving later in our debate. Earlier in this game, 
there was Czech Teote basically brutalizing Alexis Sanchez. The referee not realizing, not noticing, maybe you want to spoil the game, whatever. But one morning, when we talk about retrospective punishment for, for diving, I thought this was one of the worst things that I've seen in a long time. I saw Tom Huddleston's cowardly stamp on uh, Felipe Luis, which was even worse, but uh, maybe, possibly. Uh, can you explain the mindset, Cass, when that happens? Because it's not like Sanchez went and wound him up beforehand. It's not like Chiote mm. some kind of personal vendetta against him. What would possess you to go and karate kick somebody in the sternum, especially a little fella? Um, it's like a slight... So cowardly was, act. Chiote was protecting himself. Well, you feel like you're, you know, when a ball's hanging, it's just it's yeah. sort of in between, in no man's land, isn't it? And you sort of don't know quite how you're going to get tackled, so you sort of do the thing that protects yourself. And I think if I, I can only assume that Chiote was doing that for me. James it was similar to Nani, wasn't it, when he got sent off against Real Madrid? Was it Ferguson's last year? Where he goes up and probably expects somebody to come behind yeah. him there. It, yeah, some of these do. I, I, you know, I'm not going to... Nobody knows. You, you'd have to ask Teoti that if he meant it or not, but yeah, it doesn't, right. doesn't look good. Uh, Hughes, I'm obviously in the minority here thinking that this guy absolutely meant it, and it'd have to be a completely uncoordinated Burke to be able well, to be a fool. If it, it'd be a fool if he meant that, wasn't he? Because, you, you know, you, straight away, that's a red card, and see you later, so... Do, does it matter if he meant it or not in terms of him getting sent off, Matt? I think, I think it matters, yeah, because football... Contact sport. Okay, you're right. There will be clumsy challenges, and I think it was. I think it was clumsy. Clumsy challenge. There you go. If, if, if he meant it, then it's an, it's an assault, and he's got to be. You know, <laughs> nothing to see here. You guys are unbelievable. Well, wow. you know, if you're playing a very high-paid <laughs> physical sport, you're talking fractions of a second here. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you're a very coordinated and dexterous guy, guy yourself, Gab. So you'd never make a make a mistake like that. But um. Yeah, it's standards slightly lower. All right, uh, yeah, I, I, can t- I can tell you that um, Alexis Sanchez's camp is not best pleased, and they're 100% convinced that he did this completely intentionally, simply to maim possibly the most talented opponent on the other team. And he thought it was early enough in the game that they, were, weren't, gonna, they weren't gonna book him. Sorry, they weren't gonna send him off. But I, I thought it was, it was horrible, you know, exactly what he was doing. I think if I, if yeah, I, if I remember what... the dynamic correctly, he actually touches the ball first, and then kind of has a second go at Sanchez. So, I, but whatever, I mean... So, did we learn anything or convince anything? Debussy at centre back, impressed. I thought he played quite well. I thought Giroud made a, made a big impact. Uh, he gives Arsenal sort of greater physical presence. Means it can be slightly more direct, less tippy tappy. But ultimately, it's not. It's not a game changing result. You expect Arsenal, even with problems, you know, descent from the terraces, injuries. You expect them to beat Newcastle at home because that's what Arsenal do. What they don't do is beat the good teams. At home or away, and they and they don't win at Stoke, so it, it, nothing has really changed. Alan Pardew, am I thinking that like Musa Sissoko in some ways is his whole midfield, apart from your mate Tioto? <laughs> right, but, uh, but I'm talking about in terms of going, doing it two ways. Um, yeah. Listen, see, the, when they, he's not performing, when he's not there, it, I just think they lose. They, yeah. they lose a lot. New, Newcastle, a team that are relying on two or three individuals, aren't they? like most teams in that sort of mid-premiership table. I just thought that yeah. without, without Musa Sissoko, even you know, whether 
whether you're planning to hit on the counter, whether you're planning to get that spark in midfield, it's it's a really really big ask of this team. I think defend, de- defensively that they, they can do a job, but very hard to judge Gab Newcastle sadly because they beat Chelsea the week before, and it comes at a bit of a price sometimes. You <clears throat> you you watch them. I remember watching Sunderland play Chelsea, and then they played Man City, and they just could not get near City like they managed to do it with Chelsea and and Newcastle it seemed a great fixture and and, and in some ways it suited that Wenger could go Giroud, Welbeck and Sanchez up front and they caused Avert and I tell you what as good as Newcastle were against Chelsea they couldn't manage to manage them three could they? We're talking now about a Newcastle player named Hatem Ben Arfa and now obviously he's at Hull City right now on loan or maybe not Steve Bruce came out and he says he has no idea where he is. There's suggestions he's in Paris, suggestions he's in Hull. Bizarrely, Bruce also said he's not gone AWOL, which I don't really understand what. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That means because if you don't know where he that is. That was last week, wasn't it? He said he, he hasn't got an A-wall and then this week he says he doesn't know where he is. But he says, let's ask Husey because he's from Huddersfield, which is closer to Hull than where any of us are from. <laughs> What's the deal here? Uh, well, if you had a choice to go AWOL, would you go AWOL in Paris or Hull? What do you think? With my personal taste, yeah, no, probably Paris. Although, again, Hull, you have the aquarium factor, which I don't think Paris can compete with. But I, is it clever? But I want to drive it. Is it clever for a manager to come out and, and say this? And does this no, then turn into another problem for Newcastle? No, it's not, it's, not, it's not clever by Steve Bruce, but he's clearly exasperated. He's not his player. Maybe he's Washing, washing his hands of him in public and mm-hmm. putting the onus back up to Newcastle. He's kind of he's kind of Newcastle's problem, really. Ultimately, he Ben Arthur's problem because he hasn't got a future at Newcastle. Doesn't appear to have a future at Hull. Uh, so his career is um, being being wasted, which is a shame because he he's a talented player, isn't he? He's got a great talent. Yeah, seen him before. Unfortunately, I had a story that happened at Newcastle that hasn't come out. And I think it's pretty unbelievable. Now's a good time for it to come no, out. No, I, I will tell you fair, Gab. Well, of tell course. us now. I can't. I could get in serious trouble. Well, I'll refer you to, uh, to this. Uh, unfortunately, we can't tell you Tony's story on air. But uh, what you can do, if, uh, if you speak French or even if you don't, um, if you go on YouTube, it is documentary about uh, the Clairefontaine Academy, where Hatem Ben Arfa was. It's like the French Federal uh, Academy. And, and sort of the kids that went through it. And there's... 
and it's sort of shot reality TV style. And there's this wonderful scene where there's a 15-year-old Hatem Ben Arfa basically winding up and mocking a 15-year-old Abu Dhabi. And Abu Dhabi eventually, after taking so much abuse, and Ben Arfa was really, really small now, but he's really small when he was younger. And he's just like one of those, this little like screaming imp, like mocking Diaby. And Diaby was a big dude back then. And Diaby absolutely loses his rag. And Ben Arfa goes and kind of locks himself on a balcony and is hiding. And Diaby just is like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I've had it. It's, absol- it's, it's actually, I mean, it's, if you've ever been a teenage boy, and I presume we've all have, you can probably relate to some degree. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of eerie foreshadowing there as well. More Steve Bruce. He called it Swan Lake at Stamford Bridge. I was there. There were three, I thought, pretty obvious dives from Chelsea players, two of them, Willian and Diego Costa, getting booked for diving. The other one, Gary Cahill, not getting booked, probably because he's English. And Adam Johnson, of course, also English, diving to win a penalty, not getting booked. Pocognoli, not English, takes a dive and gets booked. English players don't dive. Clearly. No, I'm, I'm kidding about the thing, but it seems like we've had a lot this weekend. And so inevitably there will be outraged discussions and so on about what can be done, about the scourge creeping into our game, all this stuff. Is it really any different or is it really any just a coincidence that it was more noticeable this weekend, Hughesy? I, I think it is, is a coincidence. Diving has never gone away. What, what amuses me is, is the hypocrisy of managers and Jose Mourinho in particular has got questions to answer because he's been very almost sanctimonious and pious about diving since he's come back to Chelsea. He's claiming he tells his players not to dive. He doesn't have divers. He said he wouldn't pick them if they continued to dive in, which when you've got people like Eden Hazard and Oscar at the club, was always a, he's always going to be a hostage to fortune. Um, so it's, it's embarrassing for him. I don't know why, I don't know why he, he would even go down there given he's such a cynic and an arch pragmatist. I don't know why he would try to sort of play, um, play that card and try and gain the moral high ground. Um, and now he looks ridiculous when you've got Gary Kay or the England, England centre-back um, kind of inelegantly sort of throwing himself forward in the area. Just, they all look stupid. Is anybody, Cahill hasn't come out and said that. He's not said anything. Because I, I, I was willing, and because I really like Gary Cahill, um, and again, I think a screw came loose on the day between that and then the, uh, the, the tackle on Luco. but there's no way that we think that he was simply trying to get out of the way or not get hurt, and that's why he, he was actually diving. Then I'm going to ask you two guys, because not that you guys had massive reputations as divers and probably not particularly good at diving. In that situation, Scully, wouldn't you, rather than going sort of trying to jump over him, why didn't he just kind of leave his leg in so that the other, so at least there'd be some contact if he, if he was going to cheat? Nobody really knows. And the only thing I can, can say is that maybe he thinks there is contact coming. So he's half going down and it doesn't come. And he's thinking... He's made himself look silly, hasn't he? <laughs> That's the only thing I can say. A little bit like Tote. <laughs> All right, cast solutions. Can I tell you once about me? Oh, we're going to get a cast diving story. <laughs> this is going to be good. I was at Nancy. I was 34 years old, and I met a, a Brazilian fullback, a foreigner. Yeah, he was. You were playing Demetrius for the Nancy boys at the time. Demetrius yeah. Ferrier, his name was. And he was a Brazilian. And he asked me, he said, at 34, he said, how many penalties you got? I said, what, for diving? We're talking about diving or going over in the penalty box. I said, none. He said, you've played 13, 14 years and you've not got one penalty in the 18-yard box. I said, no. Then he showed me in training how to get penalties, where you take the ball at a defender and you position it so you could just about 
close as you could, could get to the defender, knock it just at the side of him, and then make your run into the defender where he couldn't get out of the way. And he was brilliant at it. And he got us probably three or four penalties over the course of a year. And he was fantastic. And he tried to teach me. So I had this training session where I had to get as close to the defender and run him. I kept taking the defender out. Well, <laughs> as I ran and knocked it by we, we, him, I smashed the defender and said, I couldn't, I could not get my positioning to go over to make it look like a foul. I might also suggest that the 34-year-old Cascarino was still <laughs> six foot four and probably not blessed with the same blistering quickness that you had when you were 18. No, it wasn't, Gab, but I tell you what, he was brilliant at it. He was so Did good. Did he ever get booked for diving? Did, who, me? No, the... Oh, the yeah. other guy? Um, I can't remember, but I can remember him getting a number of penalties, James. And I tell you, he was so good at it. And I think there are people, like the good headers of the ball, I think there's people who are very good at getting penalties. But, Gab, don't you think this is... Uh, I was at Crystal Palace Stoke at the weekend, and certainly in the second half, the game, both teams cancelled each other out, and, it, and it, the referees whistle every 30 seconds. Anybody that touched anybody, free kick, put the ball down. Do you not think now referees have got so much power... You know, it's almost becoming now a non-contact. It's a little bit like basketball. You touch anybody, free kick. Yeah, or, which uh, really worries me. Yeah, that's really worried me for the last few. You know, years. if you look at Kieran Richardson at the weekend, and, and it is a it's a late tackle, and it is. But if you look at him, he's honestly he's gone for the ball. He's a fraction of a second late. It probably mm. looks a lot worse than. You know, do we really have to send Sunderland off penalty? Off, uh, the Sunderland penalty was embarrassing. Adam Johnson. I just thought it was ridiculous. And you know, West Ham have gone there, and the slightest right, well, touch. You know, so. What do we? What, what are what we? We can talk about this, but well, it, what are solutions? I mean, are you suggesting that referees should give fewer fouls? Would well, that, well, that, that sorry, Cass. That, I think. One, I think also it's risk and reward, isn't it? At the moment, if you're a, an attacking player and you go down easily in the box, the worst case scenario is you get a yellow yellow card. The best case scenario is you get a penalty. Now that's got to well, go from a yellow to a red. I might. Yeah. So the 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 stock answer, and, and I want to get your view on this as well, Susie, is that. There's two things. One is the worst case scenario isn't just that. The worst case scenario is you develop a reputation because we talk about a match a day, we talk about it here, and then next time when you do legitimately get fouled and it's 50-50, the referee does not give you the benefit of the doubt. That's one factor. The other problem with the red, it's the same reason some people are against a death penalty. If you get it wrong, the consequences are totally catastrophic and out of proportion with the crime. So in other words, if you were to send somebody, because obviously sometimes referees incorrectly send people or book people for diving, right? Mm. And then if it's a red, <laughs> what are you going to do? You can't, you, 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 you yeah, can't but, change but, that. But, you've you've really, you seriously changed the game. penalties. Mm. Right, but the difference is uh, a penalty that's not a penalty caused by simulation mm. is one goal. Sending somebody off is, 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 is something which has a much greater impact on the outcome of a game think so? than a penalty. Well, a goal or yeah. down to ten men. That card would be uh, too harsh a sanction, and the exactly. the crime. But I, I agree with that. But I also think that it should absolutely be a mandatory yellow card. You still see referees kind of elaborately signalling no penalty when there's an appeal in the box, and not giving a yellow card when the logical uh, interpretation is that it has to be a dive. If someone dives twice, they should be given a second yellow card. This, this yeah. all you never this see that of, to you. This unofficial refereeing position where oh he. It's harder to get the second yard than the first. It's, it's preposterous. Matt, can I just add on, why don't we let referees know and that contact can be made? Not every time there's contact in the right. penalty. I think you're right. All right. I'm going to get Mike Riley in here one day because, frankly, it's they know this. Just... You can't have every time there's contact a penalty. Well, they don't give a penalty every yeah. time there's no, contact. No, but 
the, no, they're not. But you you do get the it's feeling they're more, so scared. They're so scared of someone spotting it on the TV and going, oh, there's the slightest touch, and oh, he's gone down. That should be a penalty. I think this has to be much more leeway on the decision from the referee, whether it is. I think they're just so whistle happy, as what James said on Saturday. You end up so being afraid, you just keep blowing your whistle. Well, players know. Well, I saw it on Saturday. You have a bad touch, but all you've got to do is get your body in between the ball and the player, get any kind of contact, go down, and you know you're going to get a free kick. Yeah. All right. So this being a situation. Um, Matt, what's your view on on retros- retrospective punishment? Because they've they've tried it in in some leagues. They obviously there was a f- famous case involving UEFA and Eduardo, which absolutely sent Arsene Wenger ballistic. And afterwards, of course, they had to go and, and rescind it. And then the, the the legal argument being that you can't prove that the person was actually trying to dive. That that's how Arsenal got Eduardo off back then, and since then they haven't been able to revisit it. Yeah, that was in the Celtic game, wasn't it? In the Champions League qualifier, I think. And I think I think there should be much more and coherent use of respective action. The sort of grey area where the referee saw it, didn't see it, acted, didn't act, couldn't be bothered, wasn't paying attention. They, they should every Monday morning look at all the games and take take decisions that they think were missed at the time. I mean. Go back to check Tioti. I see no reason why he shouldn't be up before the FA today, but he doesn't seem to be. Retrospective action, gentlemen? Absolutely, for me. Absolutely. It'd certainly stop it, wouldn't it? Right. Serendipity, because it's Monday, and uh, we have a Champions League draw, which um, our producer, Dave McGuire, couldn't be ours to write out in full, so he only gave me the important games. I did. What? Hughesy, do you know the games? Have you been multitasking? Yes. All right. Champions League draw with seedings, with the fact that there's five or six teams in Europe that are much better than everybody else. Uh, maybe not that many surprises in the group stage. You tend not to get crazy draws, but we have a couple, couple interesting choices, uh, a couple interesting cl- uh, clashes, I should say. Um, possibly the one that jumps out at you is Manchester City against Barcelona. Not a great draw for your pal Pellegrini, is it, Cass? Mm. No, they couldn't have got a worse draw, really. Yeah. Uh. I don't know. We'd see. Well, they could have had Real Madrid. They yeah. could have had. Yeah, could have been. Could have had. Couldn't have had Bayern, but still. Yeah. But. Well, I still think he's up there with the worst. But then City, if they get, you know, everybody time when the game's February, isn't it? The game when everybody's there. I think City can match anyone on their day. Second leg at Barca at the New Camp. Yeah. Yeah. Or the Camp yeah. Nou, as some of us call it. Uh, Chelsea getting Paris Saint Germain again. Uh, uh, yeah, Hughesy, your, your old mate David Luiz coming back to town again. He'd love to see uh, Costa and Hazard running at David Luiz. I think it's a really good draw. And if they're a neutral, often these games are, are, are blowouts. And as you say, the seedings stack it in favour of the good teams. But Chelsea have probably got the toughest draw that they could have got from the, from the second-ranked team. So that's pretty finely balanced. Arsenal got Monaco, which is probably the one they, they would have picked. So that gives them a chance of getting to the last eight for the first time in, in four years, which would be great. And... Man City, Barcelona. You must Barcelona are favourites, but it's not a vintage Barcelona team. They're rebuilding. If City play well, if Aguero's fit, that's crucial. That they have, they have a, they have a chance of knocking them out. Looking at the rest of the draw, you know, you've, you've got Real Madrid, Schalke. Looks like a bit of a walkover. But beyond that, there's some pretty good games. Juve, Dortmund. Interesting. You wouldn't necessarily be able to pick a winner from that. So I think it's a good draw to look forward to. Schalke Real Madrid looks like a walkover. Wow. A lot of love for Mr. Carlo. On his way, by the way, to challenging the world record for consecutive victories by, uh, in all competitions. Do you know how much it is, Cass? What would your guess be? Consecutive victories? I would have said 16, 15, 16, isn't it? 
Mm, no, he's at 20 already. Oh, well, I didn't know that. 23. Re- mark set by who? Husey, do you know? Uh, no. Curitiba in Brazil. <laughs> yeah, in the other game, Shakhtar Donetsk playing Bayern Munich, which I fascinating, I think, coaching uh, encounter between uh, Luchescu and Pep, and obviously Basel against Porto. And if you hear anybody call them Bao, please beat them above. Team is called Basel. Right, how about some quick hits? All the attention was focused on the Swan Lake thing, but Husey, I'm more concerned specifically about Gary Cahill. I don't remember him making too many wild tackles, like the one on Sony Luku, and then he followed it up with that comical dive. He's a fellow Northern lad. I find him to be incredibly likable. Um, but is there a reason to be concerned? Is something wrong with him, perhaps? Uh, he's not playing very well. I would grant that. Um, I think maybe he's, maybe he's played too often. He's played every game this year with Terry. Maybe he needs a bit of a, bit of a break. He's relatively new to the sort of intensity of Champions League, Premier League, England game, which he's had this season. Um, maybe uh, maybe it's taken its toll. He's improved massively under Mourinho, and he is having a bad spell now. But I expect him to recover at some point. Paging Kurt Zuma. Tottenham Hotspur win at Swansea to creep up to seventh place. Cass, are they allowed to dream of a top four finish, given how bizarro this season is turning out to be? Oh, I think it is a dream for Spurs. After watching them yesterday, I was, they were awful. I couldn't believe Tottenham had won the game. They were so poor. That, uh, Swansea just kept coming at them, coming at them. Boney had a few chances. That every time the wing was allowed to get across in. Um, Maze, they got the win. Will they do it? No. All right. Take that, Poch. Adam Johnson wins a penalty for Sunderland against West Ham, and Big Sam thinks he's dived, and he's furious. James, is he right to be? Also, Danny Finkelstein's think tank raved about him. Is Danny right? Raved about his dive? No, about West Ham. Uh, he is right to rave about West Ham, because West Ham are doing exceptionally well at the moment. Um, and if you're talking about top four, I think West Ham have probably got a better chance than Tottenham. And Sam is spot on about Adam, Don- or Adam Johnson's dive. Were you about to call him Adam Don Johnson, going back to your <laughs> Miami Vice days? Frank Lampard Jr. comes up huge for City, scoring the only goal of their 1-0 win at Leicester. Husey, there are suggestions he might stay on rather than go to New York City. Are you okay with that, or is this a dastardly and quite transparent move to circumvent financial fair play? Um, I'd like Frank to stay in England because he's a top player, top guy, and I want to see him playing at the highest level as long as possible. Um, but morally, it, it stinks, really. City, you have to give them credit. They've been incredibly clever the way they've got around FFP with their sponsorships from Abu Dhabi and these various image rights they've sold and now these two other clubs that own. I don't know the detail, but just from the outside, it, it seems like it stinks to me. Craig Gardner scores the winner for West Brom against Aston Villa and does happily celebrate. Uh, Cass, you've played for five English clubs, and yes, I'm counting something called Crockenhill as well. Is that real, or is it just something, something made up in Wikipedia? Um, All right. And you've also played for three French ones, and you were a forward, so I'm assuming you must have scored against your old clubs at some point. What's your take? Um, don't mind him celebrating. I haven't got a problem with that at all. I played against Millwall. Uh, they fans were singing Judas, Judas for the probably whole of the game, and I scored. Also scored three against Marseille when I was playing for Nancy which I got even greater pleasure from because the manager told me I wasn't good enough to score in the papers that week against Marseille, and I scored two. So you didn't mind being a Judas? No. All right. I wasn't a Judas. I played for another club. That's, uh, that was my job. Terry Robinson. Uh, uh, no, I 
wasn't really familiar with his work before uh, this weekend, has been sacked as director of football at Leicester City, your old club, James. Uh, he had a net spend of £10 million, and he brought in 10 guys. Though, when you look more closely, you see that three of them were kids, two of them were reserve keepers, one was Matthew Upson, who I believe is older than all of us combined, and uh, so we're really only judging Esteban Cambiaso, Leonardo Ujoa, Danny Simpson, and Mark Albrighton. bit harsh, isn't it? Those aren't terrible, terrible signings, are they? Well, considering he's only given £10 million, I think he's it's obviously he's a scapegoat for somebody, isn't he? Scapegoat probably for their, their poor form this season. This could rumble on a little bit, I think. I think it's... Um, listening to somebody yesterday on the radio made a very good point. I think Nigel Pearson's going to be charged by the FA this week, which might have a uh, an implication with the owners or something. I don't know. Just at the moment, it seems a little bit of a mess, Leicester, which is a shame because it's a very good club. One for you, Gab. Uh, the FIFA Club World Cup is on right now, but I can't see it happening in this country unless I own something called a computer because it's not on my telly. I understand you're not too happy about it, Gab. No, I'm not happy about this uh, uh, at all. I, I think this should be uh, an important competition, could be an important competition. It's not going to be the Champions League, it's not going to be the World Cup, but it's pretty absurd that the rights in this country have been bought by, by Gold.com. I mean, nothing against them, they made the, the best offer good for them, but I th- it's a bit disappointing because we would get to see Real Madrid, we could get to see San Lorenzo, we would get to see teams that we don't ordinarily uh, get to see. And, and as I suggest uh, in, uh, in the game on Monday, I think they should invite the defending champions. In this case, we would have had Bayern Munich as well in the mix, and I think anybody would have wanted to see Real Madrid take on Bayern Munich for the title of champions of the world. All right, that's all we got time for this week. If you haven't subscribed on iTunes and Player FM for Android, please do so. Many, many, many thanks to my guests today, James Scowcroft, Tony Cascarino, and the very excellent Matt Hughes. Check out thetimes.co.uk on your digital device. If you do that, you'll find that members get exclusive football, rugby, and cricket highlights free as part of their subscription. If you're not a member yet, don't despair. You can take our one-pound digital trial today. Just search Time Sport online. See you next week. Same place, same time. Bye-bye. Your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal. Refresh your app, choose your team, accept notification, and you're away. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone.